So, Mark. Yes. We need to talk about religion. Specifically, which religion is right? Um, I don't know if I'm ready for this conversation. <laughs> okay, well. I'm not prepared. Okay, well, at the minimum, we need to talk about religion in Shark Tale. <laughs> you mean the very Catholic sharks? So the sharks are really Catholic. Like, when Michael Imperioli dies, what's what's the character's name? Lenny? What's the one who's not Jack Black? Frankie, the brother. Frankie, okay. Frankie. Heads up, folks, this is an animated movie where I'm just using actors' names. When Frankie dies, they have a funeral for him, and it's in Latin. Yeah. But Robert De Niro also uses Yiddishisms. I think he only used the one, though. Okay. But it was an interesting writing choice. It's weird, where we have this Italian character. I mean, my note when he said Oive was, is this a Jewish Italian shark? But then they have the Latin funeral. Yeah. For his son, and I'm just very curious about the role of religion in this undersea civilization. For example, is there a fish Jesus? What species is fish Is Jesus? there a fish Moses? Well, I think it's clear that fish Moses is a shark. The sharks are the chosen people. But fish Jesus died for all fish. And so all fish can if, become Christian. I mean, if that's the thing, then Jesus still would have had to be a shark. Yes, if, Jesus was a shark. Yeah. What kind of shark? I mean, I don't know. A great white shark? Because Jesus wasn't white, Mark. Come on. Uh, This is a very weird discussion. (laughs) It's also weird because I can't imagine Jesus eating people, which Mm. Shark Jesus would have had to do. Interesting. So does that make Jack Black the heir to Shark Jesus? No, because this movie is a coming out story about Jack Black shark character, but we'll get into that later. People complain about that. Really? The American Family Association, the classic anti-gay religious organization, spoke out against Shark Tale because they thought it was trying to get kids to be accepting of gay people. I mean, it is, though. It's not hidden. No, when they dress him up as a dolphin, he's wearing, like, a bandana. He he looks like the village people. I know, he looks like the construction worker from the village people. It's great. This is a coming out movie. What's weird is that DreamWorks has this whole thing of inserting human religions into animated characters. I mean, I guess it's just a way to connect. Everyone in B-Movie was Jewish. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Be Larry King. Our friend Ari is thinking of writing up a piece analyzing the role of Judaism in the hive. Yeah, that's a weird thing going on in that movie. Yeah, but I mean, it was Jerry Seinfeld. It was Jerry Seinfeld, sure. But like, I'm always fascinated by the implications of this. Like, we talked about how there was a Beezus. Oh, there was. There was a Beezus. They used that expression. Yeah. Now we know there's a... He was a a good guy. They just don't think he was... What did they say about Beezus? I don't remember. They do mention him, don't they? They do. Multiple times. Um... Do DreamWorks movies exist in a cohesive universe, like the Pixar conspiracy theory? I think Shark Tale and B-Movie could easily exist in the same movie, because the worm is also a sentient being, and all the bugs in B-Movie were. So I feel like the worm is the missing link between the two. So, is there one animal Jesus? Or is there a Jesus for every species? I think there's a Jesus for every species. Okay. Because I don't think the Catholic sharks would be worshipping Beezus. Okay, speaking as a Catholic, the official teaching of the Catholic Church, it's not like a Pope official, but it's like philosophy official. The Vatican astronomer, who's a Jesuit priest, wrote a book where he made the theological argument that if we discovered intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, that they are also saved by Jesus' death. That the sacrifice of Jesus does not just apply to humans. So under that premise, if sharks turned out to be sentient, then theoretically they would also have access to heaven and a Catholic mass and all the other stuff. Yeah. And you know who else would have access? What other practicing Catholic would have access to this? This was a long and arduous road to get there that brought up some real questions that I was having trouble answering. I want you to say it for me, Mark. Who did I discover as a Catholic? You have to say it. And actually, no, we're just going to let Raised by his parents, Henrietta and Ronald, on Duck World, (laughs) it is canon that a practicing, or at least... Raised Catholic. Let's be real. He doesn't practice. Oh, yeah. He has two girlfriends. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Howard T. Duck. Yep. I couldn't find the issue number where it's established, but I did find it from multiple sources, including the official Marvel Wiki. That definitely seems like the kind of thing that was added in the Bill Mantlo run after Steve Gerber got kicked off the book. Yeah. Because he hated everything to do with Duck World. But yeah. 
So, is there a duck Jesus? Do they ever address it? Well, for Howard the Duck, there must be. Because Howard the Duck is from an alternate universe. Yeah. In which ducks are the dominant species. Yeah. So, in that case, there would be a duck Jesus. Oh, duck Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, duck Jesus above. Bless this podcast. (laughs) So, anyway, as a Catholic, the good thing is that Howard can go to confession and reshape his life. Will he, though? He seems pretty happy with his dirtbag ways. Howard is always depressed. (laughs) He hates everything. He's trapped in a world he never made. That's true. Oh, Howard. Oh, Howard. All right, we got more animals to talk about, so it's time to move on. Mark, bring us out of that segment. Okay, it's time for This Heart has of been Podness. Duck Talk. It's time for Heart of Podness, bringing Duck Talk back for the first time in a while. Yeah! I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. And this is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories to answer the age-old question, does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in and see what's there. Now, Mark, remind us again what we're watching this week because God knows I've been trying to forget. Well, Will, this week we're watching DreamWorks... Animated 2004 underwater mafia coming out comedy Shark Tale starring Will Smith directed by Vicky Jensen, Bebo Bergeron, Bergeron, and Rob Letterman. Ah, the classic three director strategy. Yes. Hey, four worked on Wizard of Oz, I learned today. That's true. And it's worth noting, this is not a new thing for DreamWorks. Vicky Jensen was also the co-director of Shrek. Yeah. On that movie, I remember the two directors, Vicky Jensen and Andrew Anderson, split the movie in half and each just directed half of the movie. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So this is like what DreamWorks is doing in this window. Yeah. Will, why did you make us watch this movie? Well, because the people want us to cover the DreamWorks movies. I think it's because they want us to stop making this show and they think that we will refuse to do that. Well, until we get to Shrek 4... I feel like everything is at least funny bad. Uh, You know, Shrek 4 is better than Shrek 3. Is it? I don't remember which one Shrek 4 is. Here's the deal. As you are sending us movie suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com, feel free to tell us what DreamWorks you would like us to cover. We will be covering only animated features, only from when it was its own studio. Now it's like a production company. We don't care about that. And we, of course, will not be covering Puss in Boots because it is not a movie. It was never made. Yeah. Nobody saw Puss in Boots. If you think you did, tweet at us, hashtag, I've seen Puss in Boots, and tell us about the weird dream you had in which you imagined having seen Puss in Boots. Yeah, we all know that exists solely as a poster featuring a cat that is credited as being voiced by Antonio Banderas, but we have no idea if that's true. Everyone knows Antonio Banderas was in a couple of Shrek movies, and he was the Nasonex guy. He never did a Puss in Boots movie. Don't forget Spy Kids, his oh, most that's important right. role. Man, Spy Kids. We should do one of those. We should, oh my god, Will, we should watch Spy Kids. Speaking of movies that probably are best left in the early 2000s, had you seen Shark Tale before? Yes. I think this is a movie that we have in our DVD collection because I think it went immediately from theaters to the bargain bin at Walmart. I saw this movie a lot of times because my grandparents had it. So if we were at their house, like Shark Tale would just magically appear on the TV and there we were. Yeah, it's not good. No, it's really bad. It occupies a similar space to B-movie actually, where it is clearly meant for children but also not at all. Yeah. Like, the story is one that should work for kids, but the entire thing is a parody of R-rated mafia movies. Yeah, a genre that children should not be watching. Right. And they even brought in all these people. So De Niro is in it, and Michael Imperioli, and Martin Scorsese in a weirdly large role. Martin Scorsese probably has the third most lines. I thought he was going to be like a cameo. Yeah, me too. I mean, these are all people that should have been cameo in a much worse movie. Like, let's just run through the cast of this movie real quick. Okay, I actually want to look at the billing, so I'm going to pull that up. Okay, yeah. Everyone remembers Will Smith plays a weird fish that is animated to kind of look like Will Smith. It was deliberate. They claimed I was reading a thing with the animators, so they were like, yeah, we tried to make the right fish to match the actors. So they would all kind of look like them. And like, yeah, you know, Renee Zellweger kind of looks like her fish. So this is their listing as reported by Wikipedia slash the poster, Will Smith, yeah, Robert De Niro, Renee Zellweger, Angelina Jolie, Jack Black, Martin Scorsese. That is the above the title billing of this movie. 
this movie has a cast of a much better film. And it has the slogan, the kind of joke we would make. <laughs> this movie, Shark Tale, billed as behind every little fish is a great white lie. Uh, the rest of this episode will just be me groaning for an hour. Uh, What's better? Uh, the title Shark Tale? Which, by the way, you know Shark Tale is a pun what yeah i i don't know if you've realized this but like shark tale it's t-a-l-e it's like a story it's a story about a shark right it's not really about a shark it's about the will smith fish but it's kind of about a shark right sharks also have tails t-a-i-l oh my god so it's like uh, it's like a tail about a shark but also a shark's tail oh my god who could have picked up on that they're so yeah, smart it's, it's, it's clever so it's subtle clever. you know they were faced with a situation where they felt like they needed to change the title it was originally called shark slayer but then they were like that sounds kind of intense and so they changed it to something that seemed more family friendly probably the right move because there are no sharks that get slayed in this movie there is zero shark slaying there's yeah. a shark accidental killing a straight-up wizard of oz moment yeah really now that you mention it where just a giant anchor falls on top of a shark in a very unlucky coincidence. Yeah, there are also a lot of other stereotypes in this movie besides the religious ones we mentioned. So, like, Will Smith has a Mexican neighbor. The fish, I think her name is Mrs. Garcia. And she, like, very distinctly has a Mexican accent. I don't remember her at There's, all. like, the racial politics of Shark Tale are bizarre to me. There's the Jamaican jellyfish. Yeah, I remember them. And then probably the wildest one. Is, so it's not just the American Family Association that complained about this movie. Yeah. The Italic Institute of America also complained, which is an organization that fights against negative stereotypes of Italians. They must have their work cut out for them if they're going to complain against a movie with the mafia in it. Yeah, they did. And they actually got a little ground given to them in the movie in that a character's name was changed. You remember Peter Falk? He played the gold shark who does karaoke. Yeah. So his name was originally Don Brizzi. Okay. His name was changed to make it more palatable for everyone. You know... Getting any stereotypes out of the way about people who are who are greedy or craven or who have any negative views in society. People who've never been persecuted. Right. So his name was changed to Don Feinberg. Oh oh good. Great. No problems there. Oh no. There's no unfortunate stereotypes there at all. N- nothing. Good work, DreamWorks. Yeah. The other thing we should talk about with regards to DreamWorks is that this movie is set underwater. Right. It is about fish characters. Yes. There are some prominent shark characters. Right. This movie came out a year after another movie that could be described that way. I know. Oh, God. So, Jeffrey Katzenberg, in an interview with USA Today, insisted that any similarities between Shark Tale and Finding Nemo were purely coincidental. Yeah, okay. And, like, here's the thing. In a vacuum, I could say, sure, two animation studios making kids' movies could make movies about fish in a one-year period. That is a plausible thing. Problem is, the same article points out that in 1998, there was the ant's bug life situation. Right. Coming up the next year, there was going to be a parallel between Sinbad and Treasure Planet. Yeah. The year after that, the article didn't know this, we were going to have Madagascar versus Disney's The Wild, which everyone forgot about. Disney buried it. Disney has a movie. What's that? It's about animals in a zoo. I don't know. Nobody saw it. Disney buried it. Yeah. Uh, There's also Monsters, Inc. and Shrek, which are less less Eh. connected, but it's still like... Shrek was in development since the early 90s. Oh, I, yeah, I keep forgetting how early that movie started. But there is, like, this real pattern in yeah. the 2000s of DreamWorks kind of chasing whatever Pixar is doing. Or just Disney. Yeah, and Disney as well. Which, I think there's something to that in part because of the way that Katzenberg left Disney. Yeah. And sort of the really ugly history there. It's not the kind of thing that you can prove, but there is a weird pattern there to the point that Katzenberg was being asked about it. Right. Remember Sinbad? I did not see Sinbad. I think I watched it once. I mean, we're going to watch it because it's a DreamWorks release. Oh, God, it is. See, Sinbad, the original story... It's from the Arabian Nights. From the Arabian Nights. Do you know who the villain of Sinbad, the DreamWorks movie, is? I'm assuming it's Jafar. I'm assuming they just straight up took him from Aladdin. It is the Greek goddess, Eris, goddess of discord. This movie has so many Greek elements, and I don't understand why... Because it's the Mediterranean. Yeah, but I'm just like, you took a story from one of the, like, most quintessential pieces of Arabic folklore and decided to make it about Greece instead. It's just insane. I don't understand. It drives me crazy. It pissed me off when I was watching it. I was also probably, like, seven, and I was still mad. Like, that's how egregious it is. We'll watch it. Okay, (laughs) yeah. It's coming up. We'll put that on the roster. 
tweet at us with your uh, DreamWorks movies that you would like to have us cover. Remember, you cannot tweet Puss in Boots at us because it doesn't exist. Will. Yes. Should we start moving on the points? Oh, man. I mean, I think we kind of have to. There's one last thing I have to tell you before we do that. Okay. This movie allegedly has a score by Hans Zimmer, but this movie doesn't really have a score. It's constantly scored to pop songs. Right. Most notably, Car Wash. As covered by Christina Aguilera. But there was almost a song for this movie written by some other people. While the album was being produced for the soundtrack, there was a plan in the works. Some stuff was scheduled for a duet by Beyonce and Janet Jackson. What? It never manifested, but it was in the works. What a weird time. 2004. Where Beyonce was, like, not famous enough. She was still Destiny's Child, right? Yeah. Um, I think she may have just It's, like, right solo. at that window. It's right But you think that... when the album's in development? Yeah. Janet Jackson was the more famous of the two at that point. Yeah, probably. totally. Totally. So, wow, what a duet that would have been. Last thing to mention about this. Uh, so this movie came out October 2004. Yeah. It premiered at the Venice Film Festival. Very classy. Oh, yes. Notably, also the place that The Shape of Water premiered. So... Lots of uh, fish stories happening there. Fish love. Fish love. Venice. It's right on the water. It's just a romantic seaside town. Normally, at a festival, you're going to show something in a theater. Right. This was too big for a theater. Oh, no. It's the shark tale. You know how big the ocean is, Mark? I mean, probably pretty big. The ocean is huge. Okay. You may not know this, but there's ocean all over the world. Really? Yeah, it's huge. It's like 75% of the planet. Maybe like 92% of the planet. It, I, I don't want to say 100, but I feel like it's 100% of the planet. I've religiously decided never to look at a map, so I could There's a lot you. of ocean. Okay. Okay. Um, maps are a scam. They're trying to convince you the world is round. Never trust a map. But anyway, the ocean is huge, which means that Shark Tale is huge, which means that when they premiered Shark Tale at the Venice Film Festival, they premiered it out of doors in the city of Venice on a six-story tall inflatable screen. Because you've got to fit the whole ocean in the movie. Oh, my God. I have seen a movie on a giant inflatable screen. No, they're super fun. really fun. I love them. They're going to do them right by where we live all summer. Really? Yeah. It is even more fun when it's the screen is on a body of water, I will say. I have not done that. Yeah. I went and saw a movie on a lake, and it was super cool. But was it six stories tall? I'm not sure. It was, was it a premiere? large. It was not. It was, was it a very in Venice? old movie. It was in Europe. Was Martin Scorsese there? Regrettably, no. <laughs> was Will Smith there? If only. Was the entire above-the-title cast of Shark Tale there? Only in my dreams. Oh, man. These are all actors that are so good, and I just, like, can't get over that. Uh, Jack Black is, like... Will Smith occupies a fascinating place in cinema history. Yeah. He's just hit after hit after hit, and he's a good actor, and he, like, disappears. He makes After Earth, and then he disappears. Was Collateral Beauty after Collateral after Beauty? We gotta watch that movie. Oh my god. We oh have to my watch gosh. That movie. Anyway, the movie, uh, it made a lot of money. Critics hated it. It opened at number one, $47 million in October 2004. It stayed at number one for three weeks. Oh my god. And then it stayed in the top five until the first weekend in November when a little movie called The Incredibles came out. Yes. So, that movie is so good. it totaled out at $160 million domestic, 367 worldwide. Sounds about right. Yep. And it was nominated for Best Animated Feature! Well, so is the boss baby. That's true. It was nominated up against The Incredibles, which won. Right. And Shrek 2, because DreamWorks got two-thirds of the nominations that year. Oh my god. Um, speaking of the boss baby, is that DreamWorks? Um, the boss baby is made by DreamWorks Animation, but at this point, DreamWorks Animation is not a studio, so it was distributed by 20th Century Fox. Okay. So we will not have to cover the Boss Baby because it is post-studio period for right. DreamWorks. That's a Titan 97 minutes. Good for the Boss Baby. It made $528 million. <laughs> it made half a billion dollars. You could remake The Last Jedi with that money. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the movie. <laughs> I'm broken. Mark, are you okay? I'm broken inside. Boss Summer Baby is weird. made a half a billion dollars. I think it's bad for Mark when I'm around more. <laughs> okay. So, should we start with point number one? Yeah, let's do it. So, Shark Tale, it's set underwater. It doesn't look as good as Finding Nemo, and it's also not as good as Finding Nemo. The fish have fingers, which is a bad choice, because they are terrifying. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I hate to be like, this movie is bad because it's not as good as this other movie. And that's not what I'm saying about Shark Tale. I'm just saying, like, 
animating stuff that's underwater is hard. Yeah. Because physics are different underwater. And this movie pretends that physics are the same as out of water, except for when they need them to be different. Right. It uses underwater physics for punchlines, for like visual gags when yeah. you see Oscar tied up and it's like, whoa, he's tied to the ground and he's floating up instead of like tied to a ceiling and floating yeah. down. But they use that for a throwaway gag and then the rest of the movie pretends that physics are normal. Yeah, I mean, it's operating at the same level as Spongebob. You know what the difference is between this and Spongebob? Spongebob is a animated TV show. Spongebob is funny. Yeah, that's a good point. And Spongebob is a TV show and it's also very aware of what it's doing. I don't think Shark Tale is aware of the ridiculousness of that. You know, I think Shark Tale wanted to be aware of it, but... I read an interview with a producer and he was saying that along the way, the movie became much less dark than they had originally started out because they were like, whoa, we got to dial back. This stuff is way too intense for kids. Like there's a scene where Don Lino thinks that an orca is responsible for Frankie's death and he six piranhas on the orca. And they were like, "Uh, you know, we don't want him to be identified as a murderer because we need a heartfelt reunion at the end of the movie. Yeah. So they were, like, dialing the movie back and back. They keep the piranha, but all you see is, like, he's got pet piranhas. Yeah, which also doesn't make sense because they're freshwater fish. No. uh, Well, he's got them in a tank. (laughs) I didn't think about that. He opens the top of a fish tank to feed the piranhas. The fish food floats down. The water does not come out. The piranhas don't come out. Man, this movie sucks. Um, also, well, how does electricity work underwater? If we're talking about the weirdness of this movie, are the whales or cab fish? Are they like using other fish as public transportation? Are fish going inside of these fish? Why are their fish painted like taxi cabs? Well, why? Because they wanted to make it look like Times Square. I... Gotta have taxi cabs to look like Times Square. I saw that and I just was so weirded out. I mean, I think about the interviews with Jerry Seinfeld for B-Movie where people were talking about like, okay, so Jerry said the bees have cars. So like, are there bee insurance companies? And Jerry's like, no, they don't need them. It's like, when you introduce these elements, they affect the world. Yeah. And it seems like DreamWorks didn't really care about that. That's also true. Yeah. So anyway, let's let's talk about this monstrosity of a movie. Point number one, we meet Oscar, our Will Smith fish. He looks like Will Smith. He does. He has a green and yellow fish. His face is the same. He has fingers. We originally meet him doing a Cribs riff. Yeah. MTV's Cribs in front of a billboard of a nice looking apartment. Yep. Which is how we find out that Oscar is poor. Yeah. He lives on the south side of the reef. We do say he's from the south side of of the the reef. reef. Which, okay. Yeah. We also know that he lives at the bottom of the reef. In this world, it's basically a vertical city, much like you might build a vertical city into a skyscraper that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has to protect. You know, when you put the size of a city going vertically, you have all the benefits of a city, but you also bring in all of a city's problems. And nobody's ever tried that. Did you know there's crime in cities? Dwayne so, The Rock Johnson knows. He has to stop it. I'm so hyped for this movie. Everyone, uh, Heart of Podness movie club, go see Skyscraper, and then we'll all talk about it on the show. Everyone's invited over. We'll talk about Skyscraper. <laughs> if you want to come talk about Skyscraper, just send us a DM on Twitter. We'll get your information. We'll meet up in public somewhere. Live episode, our apartment, everyone talking about Skyscraper. We've got 30 microphones. <laughs> this sounds like a great idea. It's going to be great. We still have not talked about a point. So, Oscar. He's poor. Oh, it's a vertical city. So if you live uptown, you literally live at the top of the reef, vertically up. If you live downtown, you're poor, you live at the bottom. This idea was also used by George Lucas in the Star Wars films coming out about the same time as this. Oh, yeah, because isn't Coruscant that way? Exactly. So he lives there. It's established early on that he's, like, a cool, fun guy because he's friends with the little... He's friends with children. The children in the town who spray paint underwater, which doesn't make sense because the physics of this movie are messed up. I mean, everything is electric underwater, and they never acknowledge that. What drives me crazy is the spray paint works, but when an octopus pours a cup of coffee, the coffee floats away. And then he's surprised by it, so I think this is the first time that that's ever happened? Because physics change for the sake of jokes. Yeah. I don't understand your problem. Anyway, Oscar, he works at a whale wash. Because in addition to being a Godfather parody, this movie is also a parody of the 70s workplace comedy, Car Wash, for which the song 
Car Wash was written. It was written for a movie? Yes. That makes more sense. You know I the was movie always was wondering why there was a song call- about working at a car wash. You know what the movie was called? Car Wash. Car Wash. Everything makes more sense. Yeah. So he works at the Whale Wash. When they recorded a new version of the song, they kept the lyrics as Car Wash, which seems like a missed opportunity. Working I th- at the Whale Wash. I think the cell potential of the Christina Aguilera cover of... Car no, wash. you do two. You do one in the movie, then you do normal lyrics in the credits. That's fair. Duh. Wow. So easy. So, I'm so dumb. DreamWorks, hire me. Uh, please don't. <laughs> um, he works the whale wash. He gets there late. Oh, no! Everybody's punched in because it's the 70s, and they're all punched in, and Oscar's like, shoot, I'm gonna be late again. But then he gets there, and he's already punched in? Whoa. What? Who punched him in, Mark? Why, that would be Angie, the receptionist renee zellweger surprise queen of this podcast yeah keep your eye out for maybe a future announcement about renee zellweger mark likes some movies that she's in oh i was thinking about our present from listener Catherine s oh yeah yeah oh man we got some we got some more (laughs) zellweger content coming at you some solid wag tent (laughs) this is heart of podness bringing you all the wag tent your heart could possibly desire Please remember to donate to your local NPR station. Listeners like you keep the WEG tent coming week after week after week. If you want more WEG tent, please visit us at NPR.com. This episode brought to you by Square Apron. Square Apron, the all-in-one platform for building delicious websites in the comfort of your own home. So, Renee Zellweger plays Oscar's best friend slash car wash receptionist, Angie, who's a pink fish that kind of looks like Renee Zellweger. Yeah, it's creepy. I was about to say she's the creepiest looking fish. Oscar is the creepiest looking fish. Oscar is the creepiest looking fish, followed by Renee Zellweger, followed by Lola, followed by... Martin Scorsese has eyebrows, and I can't get past that. (laughs) Oh, I didn't notice that. He's got huge Scorsese eyebrows. (laughs) I guess it just didn't really bother me. Because you're like, oh yeah, it's Martin Scorsese. (laughs) Yeah. Martin Scorsese is Oscar's boss. The pufferfish, who yeah. is in the employ of the mafia. He's not in the employ of them. He has worked with them and he owes them money. Oh, by the way, the mafia, they're loan sharks. Just want to put that one out there. We're going to talk about bad puns in this movie, but I want to make it really clear. They're loan sharks. Because, you know, Mark, you, you may not get this, but a loan shark is a person who lends someone money at predatory rates. So that then you get in debt to them. And you have to pay them back, and they might lean on you, use a little muscle. But also, this movie's set underwater, so they're sharks. We like should cut fish one of these because we're lend only you on money. point number one. Oh god! <laughs> How far into this episode? Thirty are we? minutes. Oh god! Anyway, Great. okay. So, Oscar and Angie, best friends, but. And she loves him. I don't remember how she's literally doodling love notes on That's her how. notepad. Yep. Let me see again because paper works underwater and pens. She's like, maybe I should leave my job. And he, Oscar, tells her that if she left, he'd have no reason to come to work. Quote: Because you're my best friend. I wrote, you're like my best friend. Yeah. And then Renee Zellweger does a very dramatic fake death on her desk. Yep. And then in terms of romance. It continues with them at home, right? Right. Then they are at Angie's apartment? I think Yeah, it, it's got to be yeah. Angie's apartment because she has the pearl there. Right. So they're at, over at Angie's apartment. Oscar's complaining about the situation at work because he owes a ton of money to Mr. Sykes. He borrowed 5,000 clams from him for various business ventures. Get rich quick schemes. All of them failed. The one he introduces at the beginning of this movie is bottled water. Yep. And he's been told that he has to pay it back the next day or else he's going to get beaten to a pulp by Martin Scorsese's muscle, which are the Jamaican jellyfish because martin scorsese in turn owes the money to don leone don lino don lino the which is robert de niro the shark the loan shark the godfather of the local shark mafia right and he's a loan shark because he's well that's enough (laughs) so back at angie's apartment oscar tells angie that he wants to live at the top of the reef he wants to be somebody he's tired of being a nobody at the bottom of the reef and And angie says daddy issues too yes he does angie says you don't have to live at the top of a reef to be a somebody. But Oscar's not listening because he knows you do have to live at the top of the reef to be a somebody because nobody cares about you unless you're a somebody. I hope that's a lesson you take away from this, Mark. Yep. You've got to be a somebody. Yep. That's what happens at the end of the movie. Yep. So uh, end of movie. We're done this episode. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, Angie goes inside and she pulls out her grandmother's pink pearl, which is worth a lot of money. Yeah. She says, this will give you the money to pay back Mr. Sykes. She's the worst. This is so dumb. It is a bad plan. Never loan money to your friends especially not that much money also somebody who has such a track record of losing money 
Yeah. So next she's, day, she's saying, "I am getting, I am losing my grandmother's pearl, and I will never get the money." She's trying to be a good friend, she's a very good friend, because she's desperately in love good with of him. A friend. Yeah. So the next day. Oscar goes to meet Sykes, Martin Scorsese, at the racetrack, and he hears somebody saying, like, oh, yeah, the race is rigged. Lucky day. That's the horse. The race is rigged. Seahorses, because they're underwater sea, so it's like a horse, like at a racetrack, but a seahorse. So Oscar's like, wow, the race is rigged for lucky day. What if I took these 5,000 clams and bid it on lucky day? Then I could pay back Martin Scorsese and still have tons of money to start my bottled water business. And I could become the bottled water billionaire magnate at the top of the reef. And the clerk at the counter is like, well, that's 201 odds. If you put this much down, you'll be a millionaire. Well, that would make me Oscar the millionaire. The millionaire. The millionaire. The millionaire. The millionaire. It really does the echo effect. But it also just goes to show like how dumb he is because he didn't have to bet all of it true he could have bet some of it he's a stupid little boy it drives me crazy but he bets all of it meanwhile the millionaire echoes across to lola the sexy fish she wants your money, money. she wants your money as voiced by angelina jolie angelina jolie she literally is like she is drawn to look like she is wearing a low-cut dress a low-cut evening gown yeah because her tail is significantly longer than everyone else's right and she is often depicted in freeze frame upright with her, with her dress, hair, hair whipping behind her yeah her hair which is almost like a veil and then her dress like floating in the wind because they're clearly wind in this world yeah so she comes over and starts flirting with him while dangerous plays yeah it's not subtle. And then Martin Scorsese comes over and is like, hey, what are you doing? Where's my money? And at first Lola's like, ah, he can do whatever he wants. He's got plenty of money. He just put 5000 on Lucky Day to win. And then Martin Scorsese freaks out. He's like, what? You mean my $5,000? And Lola goes, oh, oh, I thought you were somebody. But clearly you're a nobody. Yeah, she says, deep down, I'm really superficial. And don't get me wrong, you're cute, Mark, but you're a nobody. She wants your money. What is with the lack of subtlety here? She didn't need to say deep down I'm superficial. I think they think it's a joke. I feel like it would be such a more interesting character if she wasn't literally described as superficial and only in it for the money. Because later, like, spoiler for later, later when she's presenting, like, the obstacle to him and Angie, it's like, dude, you know that she doesn't like you for who you are. Why are you falling for this? Because she represents being a somebody. I know, but it just drives me crazy. Anyway, the race was rigged. Lucky Day loses. Oscar doesn't have any money. The jellyfish go to beat him up. And that takes us... Eh, there's like some stuff where there's a shark. Uh, Frankie the shark has an anchor drop on him. He dies. The Jamaican jellyfish who are beating up Oscar run away, leaving Oscar alone with this dead shark. So he takes on the identity Oscar the Shark Slayer. The original title of this movie, of course, Shark Slayer. Which brings us to point number two, Oscar the Shark Slayer. We're he becomes super famous as a shark slayer. Like, very quickly. As in, he is living in the nicest penthouse in the city within... Top of the reef. One day. Yep. It seems. He's doing Gap commercials, but it's Gup because it's underwater, so it's like a guppy. Yeah. You know, like the Gap, the apparel company. At the end of this episode, we will be discussing which is our favorite puns. And, and least favorite puns. Throw, in a throwback to one of our earlier episodes where we discussed lots of animal-based puns. Worth noting that Lenny, the shark played by Jack Black... When he's pretending to eat Oscar, he says he tastes like chicken, which means the shark has eaten chicken. I wrote down that note, too. Anyway, so Oscar throws this big house party in his new penthouse apartment, celebrating his new title as the Shark Slayer. Martin Scorsese has now declared himself his manager. Yeah. Is now happy to be buddied up with the Shark Slayer because he figures, oh, Oscar can kill sharks. That means that I, Martin Scorsese, no longer have to be afraid of the sharks. Right. I will say he is kind of a scumbag as a character. But he must be a pretty kick-ass manager. Yeah, he clearly is doing <laughs> a great job. He clearly does Oscar a great job. They top both of the line get in really rich. He's working for The Gap, for Coca-Cola. Coral, yeah. Coral, Coral Cola. Cola, yep. So. Also, Scorsese is kind of fun, almost. The movie I, is terrible. I think his character is the best done. Yeah, he's the best done. There is the novelty that it is Scorsese. I think that's part of it, but I also think it's just like, because he has so little relevance to the plot, it's okay that the character is so... He has no un- arc. We don't care what happens to yeah, him. Yeah, has no arc, isn't fleshed out. It's just the character can exist, and that's okay. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, Angie, Renee Zellweger, shows up to Oscar's party, and she gives him a lava lamp. She's like, oh, every bachelor pad needs a lava lamp. And he's like, oh, great, I'll put it next to my other one. And it's the size of the entire room. Yeah. Like, it goes floor to ceiling. Yeah. Full lava lamp, because this is the 1970s. So he takes her out onto his patio on the top of the reef, his balcony. Yeah. And in a scene that reminded me a lot of the scene in Iron Man, the dance oh, scene. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So he takes her out. She tells him she's proud of him, like he's made something of himself. And he tells her he couldn't have made it without her. And he holds out this box. And she clearly thinks he's going to propose to her because fish do that. Which is also a little extra, Angie. Right. So he holds out this box. She clearly thinks she's being proposed to. He says, I'm just so sorry it took so long. It's like clearly leaning into this. Yeah. And when she opens it, it's a new necklace of pink pearls to replace the one from her grandmother no i think the big pearl is her grandmother's pearl and then he like makes it even nicer he says with interest yeah with interest so she's clearly thrown by this but before she she can really react lola shows up yeah angie is not treated well and is also way over the top yeah he's shown no expression of loving her so clearly expecting to get proposed to is asking a lot of him but at the same time he does treat her like shit throughout this movie everybody is terrible (laughs) yeah every single person in this movie is a horrible person so lola interrupts angie tries to keep her out but oscar goes with her instead right and says to him as they walk in look who's a somebody after all she wants your money. She wants your money. And so... Oscar has to go out and do some shark slaying. Yeah. By which I mean he pretends to kill the Jack Black shark. Jack Black plays a vegetarian shark who is an outcast because he's a vegetarian. He wishes he could tell his family that he's a vegetarian, but his family can't accept him as a vegetarian. It's a gay thing. It's a it's a gay allegory. It is. Anyway, so the deal they make is that Oscar needs to keep up the charade that he's a shark slayer, even though he's never killed a shark. Lenny needs to get away from his family because his family doesn't accept him. So they make a deal where they fake Lenny's death and Oscar will get to continue the shark slayer charade. So when Oscar gets back to his apartment, Lola's still waiting for him there. And she starts giving him a massage and telling him he can't possibly retire because he's so important. Yeah. It's like very, very sexual. Considering that fish sex is she would lay eggs and then he would come along and fertilize them. They don't even need to be in the same room. Yeah. It's very over the top. And is this when he tells her? No, no, no. No, that happens later. Angie goes to see Oscar because she's really upset. And she discovers Lenny, the shark, the Jack Black shark hanging out. And so she's now really upset that Oscar lied to everybody and lied to her. Because she was really on board for this. Like She was so excited about his success. When he tells the story, she's the one, like, in pride of place. Egging him on. Egging him on. Like, yeah, show off your shark slayer stuff. Tell the story. And so she's really upset. Meanwhile, when she tells him to tell the truth, he laughs her off. He's like, the truth. Both of them do. Truth is for losers. Yeah, you're right. Lenny does too. Lenny does too. But Angie and Lenny, obviously, because Lenny is gay form an immediate bond to become BFFs. Right, because gay men love Renee Zellweger. Yeah. They love that wag tent. (laughs) (laughs) They love that wag tent. So that's then when they do the staging of Lenny's death, where Oscar and Lenny have a big fight in Times Square. It's not Times Square because it's underwater, but it's Times Square. And Oscar slays Lenny. It's very dramatic. There's one thing where Lenny accidentally swallows him. So Oscar has to fake pushing the shark mouth open. And then he starts quoting movies that he couldn't have seen because movies don't show underwater. But he goes, are you not entertained? And then he goes, you can't handle the truth. Also, all of these are movies kids would not have seen either. Right. And then he says, you had me at hello. And the movie cuts to <laughs> Renee's Renee Zellweger fish, it's which so, seems excessive. It's so much. Anyway. Is this when, he, uh, there's also the foreshadowing, because this is when he vomits a little bit, right? After he accidentally swallows. Yeah, Lenny is throwing yeah, up Lenny, at the yeah. taste of fish. So, anyway, Oscar slays Lenny. He's being interviewed by Katie Current, the fish newswoman actually voiced by Katie Couric. Yeah. Although, in other countries, like, in at least in Australia, the UK, and Italy, the character was voiced by news people from those countries. They picked, like, a local person. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Katie Couric does a bunch of stuff like this. I have mixed feelings about news people playing themselves in media, because I think that it blurs the line between reality and fiction, and I don't yeah. think we need that. I feel like, in this day and age, for sure, in certain points of the past, I feel like it was probably less... It was better. Thing. Yeah. Anyway, so Katie Current is interviewing Oscar, and while she's doing that... Lola, the sexy fish, comes up and kisses him on TV in like a big dramatic kiss. Surprisingly enough, Angie sees it. On TV. On TV. And in the tabloids. Yeah. So that takes us to point number three, where Angie's real mad. She points out that Lola only cares about Oscar because he's famous. And Oscar goes, well, nobody liked me when I was a nobody. Well, I did. (gasps) 
and she calls him a sham. Which is honestly the most cliche line in this entire movie. Of yeah, of cliches. course, because this movie was written lazily. We'll get to the fun fact about who helped write this movie. Oh, and we're going to talk about some other writing things, too. So Angie leaves. She's really upset. But then Oscar goes back to his penthouse apartment. He's like kind of morose. He's a little bit He's down. down. Dumps. And he gets there and Lola's waiting for him. And Lola's like, forget about Renee Zellweger. Yeah. She'll do fine. I'm She's got really a long fishy. career ahead of her making Bridget Jones sequels. Yeah. Winning Best Actress? She already she had. had won this. She'd already won at that point. Yeah. More Zeg facts. <laughs> Love that Zeg tent. Weg tent, Zeg facts. No, they're B facts. Zell All facts. facts are B facts. Oh, that's right. So Lola tells him to forget about Angie, and Oscar's like, you know what? We're not going to work out. So then she beats him up. She, she slams him into the glass windows of his penthouse. I, I will say that was kind of funny, watching her just straight up whacking him against the wall. Because it makes sense, because they're underwater. So that was our sad section yeah. of the movie. It is approximately five minutes. Yeah, it is very short. Point four! Martin Scorsese is in the apartment when this is happening, and looks at her throwing him against a wall, and just goes, ah, young love. Yeah, because... Scorsese's a weird character. Point four! Point four! Oscar is like, he's done with Lola, so he's immediately in love with Angie. Yep, so he is... Sugar pie, honey bun. Swimming, running, running after her. You. Yeah, he's got chocolate and flowers. Yeah. And he goes to meet her at work, and she's not there. The Jamaican jellyfish are doing her job. And they're doing it poorly. Very badly. Bit of comedic attempt. It's so funny! It's so funny. And then they get a phone call from one... Don Lino. Don Lino. Announcing that he's kidnapped Angie and he wants to force a meeting with the Shark Slayer. The shark Slayer. From Don Lino's perspective, Oscar has killed both of his sons. Yeah. Don Lino is actually probably one of the more sympathetic, if not the most sympathetic characters in this movie. He's also a mafia boss. He's also a mafia boss and actively eats sentient creatures. But they rewrote the movie to make him less of a murderer, while everyone else is still terrible. Right. So, he has lost both of his children. He is justifiably angry at this shark slayer. I think right now, by the way, it's worth noting that one of the main writers of this movie is a guy named Rob Letterman. Okay. Who was brought in originally to do punch-up on the script. And then Katzenberg liked the work he was doing and said, hey, would you do a full rewrite? And he said, sure, I'll do a full rewrite. You guys need a full rewrite because at the time he got the script, there was no third act. Oh, boy. Not like it was bad or not like it wasn't fleshed out. Like the script he was given had no third act. The movie just didn't have an ending. Yeah. He's like, maybe they had one and lost it. But I never had it. So he had to rewrite it. And then Katzenberg was like, cool, we want the original writer to, like, give some input and some notes. And he was like, great. And then Katzenberg said, great, go meet him at his house. Oh, that's awful. They wound up getting along and, like, working on it together. But, man, Jeffrey Katzenberg. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. But remember, we didn't mention this at the beginning. Jeffrey Katzenberg is one of the creators of DreamWorks. He's the K in SKG, along with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen. Yeah. But, fun fact, you know who else has a writing credit on this movie? Who has a writing credit on this movie, Mark? Scott Ackerman, host of Comedy Bang Bang. And Eric Berg, right? Oh, who else? Yeah, Alec Berg. Alec Berg, right, who... Worked on The Simpsons and Silicon Valley. Why did this movie suck? Why is this movie so bad? We had three directors. Okay. So, so Angie's been kidnapped. Oscar gets his good friend slash life partner, Lenny, who is now dressed as Lenny a dresses dolphin. up like a construction worker dolphin. Yeah. And he hangs out only with the female turtles at the car wash. Yeah. Um, so he shows up as his dolphin muscle, dolphin as muscle. the sharks call him. There's a weird thing in this meeting where the orcas are the cowards. And yeah. orcas are like the most murderous thing in the sea. Yeah, I mean, also... Besides otters. Otters are murderers. Also, the octopus is the dumbest person there, and octopuses are like the smartest animals in the sea. That's true, too. The smartest, you know, not dolphin or whales. Yeah, well, the dolphins left when the world ended. That's true. They said, so long. But I also like that they point out that dolphins can kill sharks. Like, dolphins are vicious. Yeah. Yeah, dolphins are for crazy. So that was a nice touch. At the meeting, Oscar, Don Lino is like, "Oh, yeah. you're gonna do what I want because I've got this lady." And he pulls open a platter, and there's Angie, and she's bound and gagged, and she sees Oscar, and she gets really mad because she still hates him. Right, and she also knows that he can't fight sharks. Right, uh, and then Oscar's like, "I have no idea who that is. This is a joke. I don't care." Ha ha ha! And they still don't believe him. So he's like, "Lenny, eat him." He doesn't say Lenny. He says whatever the fake name for the fish is. So the Jack yeah. Black shark dressed as a construction dolphin rushes across the table and scoops up Angie in his mouth. Oh, but isn't this He's after devouring that Zeg tent. It, uh, Wag tent. Isn't this after right. Lola? Well, yeah, so the big reveal is he's trying to do the bluff, but right. then Lola shows up and is like, no, nah, he definitely knows her. He definitely cares about her. Yeah. 
because now I think Lola is sleeping with the mob boss. Yeah, Lola was so bitter about being dumped by Oscar that she went straight to the mob. To sell out the girl that he likes. So aggressive. She is a lot. She is the least subtle character. Well, deep down, she's really superficial. Yeah. Deep down. Deep. Like, not on the surface of the water. Like, deep below the water. Deep. Deep Deep. down. Down. So, yeah. Lenny swallows, in quotes, uh, what's her name? Angie. Angie. And then Oscar is bragging because of how heartless he is. They're all scared of him. And the dolphin is there to back him up. And he's killed two sharks already. But then Lenny is a vegetarian. He hates even the taste of a fish. And so he voms all over the table. Angie. After trying to get Oscar to leave. Yeah. But it's Angie. There's a license plate. Some other garbage. Yeah. Apparently vegetarian in the shark world just means eats trash. Yes. So that's when Don Lino identifies his son. And the first thing he's mad about is, you dressed my son up as a dolphin. Yeah. Because cross-dressing is a worse crime than, you know, pretending to murder. I mean, it's like cross-species dressing. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Cross-dressing. So anyway, there's a big fight. Angie spends the entire fight in a bubble, which bubbles are made of air, so that should have killed her. It doesn't. It's also a very big bubble. The bubble doesn't show up till they're at the whale wash. Right. A lot of the fight takes place at the whale wash. Yeah, so they, like, escape from the the boat where they live, and they swim over the shrimp get their revenge by oh yeah these tiny shrimp that don lino tried to have lenny eat yeah they come back they're like eating don lino yeah and then they're at the whale wash and then it ends big fight uh but it ends with them using the whale wash to trap don lino yeah and so our fifth point after this fight oscar's pressed in by the crowd they're like wow look you beat this shark because oscar like actually beat a shark but then oscar confesses he's like i'm not a real shark like kill it (laughs) yeah oscar's like i'm not a real shark slayer and then he tells Angie that he doesn't need the top of the reef because he's a nobody without her. Do you know what her response was? I hope it's you had me at hello. You big dumb dummy head. This movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But- End of the movie. Oscar becomes an investor in the whale wash. <laughs> so now it's Oscar and Sykes whale wash. And Sykes is dressed as a pimp for some reason. Don Lino learns to accept his vegetarian son. Right. Because, you know, being a vegetarian is okay. You're still a normal person. I really don't understand how the mafia part is reserved because it still feels like there is just a giant mafia hanging out outside this town. Well, remember... also eats people. Remember, when Don Lino accepts his son, Oscar says, so we're cool now, right? And Don Lino says, yeah we're cool so the sharks will no longer eat anybody and they'll all starve to death yep that makes sense yep great so what do you think Uh, oscar and angie's relationship believable it's so hard to think about this movie in terms of that because it's just weird to put a believable tag on anything but the emotional swings are wild where like angie is like (laughs) thinks she's proposing and then she hates him and never wants to see him again and then she's like no we good as soon as the fight ends it's such a quintessential romance plot line like, it is the stereotypical plotline of a romance that it lends some degree of believability in that you've seen it before, but it's done so poorly. It's a love triangle with no subtlety. Everything in this you've seen before. So, to, also like in movies. The best love triangles, there is something enticing about the person that they don't end up with. Yeah. And there's nothing appealing about Lola. She's tells you at the beginning that she's a garbage person no the best love triangles are queer where like there's a full triangle because otherwise it is just a love angle fair so i think that at first when you think about it at first glance you're so trapped into the tropes trapped into tropes that you hashtag think, like, trope trap it could be believable but boy is it not when no. you give it even a second of thought so where would you rate it <sighs> 10 point scale probably like I don't know. They did grow up together. They do know each other well. So it kind of makes sense that they'd get together in the end. There are people who are as garbage as Lola. There are people who are as garbage as Lola. I'm going to say, like, maybe a three. I say four. Maybe a four. Yeah. Somewhere in that range. Oof. This movie. Do not care. Do not care for it. Uh, is Oscar or Angie dateable? Uh, no. No. Just move on. If you had yeah. to pick one person in the movie to date, who would it be? Um... Who would it be? Maybe one of the orcas. They were kind of fun. Okay. Kind of cowardly, but still got a criminal edge. I think I would date Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Maybe Katie Current. Okay, yeah. She's cute. She's a fish that does the news. She's a smart business fish. Yep. Yeah. What is your favorite pun? Okay. Water pun. Um, Before I get into that, I just want to acknowledge that this movie starts with a 
montage of life in the reef and it's a string of references that children will not get yes for example they show the fish version of the hollywood walk of fame all the stars are starfish who announce the names that they represent we've got muscle crow yay we've got jessica shrimpson seal that one's a pun C because seal is a person but seals are also sea animals that one still made me laugh Okay, what's your favorite pun? Um, I think my favorite is scallop pole. I was going to say that. Because it's so over the head of every child and so specific that I was shocked to hear a joke about it in this movie. I was also going to say that. I do appreciate that the Gap slash Gup ad that he does is a parody of the Gap ads of the day. Yeah. That's like, all right. There is some stuff on the nose, like Jessica Shrimpson. Yeah. Definitely would not be chosen today. Right, totally. All right, let's get out of this movie. Let's end. So, Shark Tale, don't watch it. We will watch more DreamWorks, though. This movie is bad. Watch Finding Nemo instead or any other movie. We'll have to bring Claire in for Madagascar to see if she'll defend it. Oh, Madagascar. I'm dreading that one most of all, Scarecrow. (laughs) Next week, we're going to tap into the zeitgeist because we are uh, craving little dudes who want more people to listen to us. Uh, So we're celebrating the release also of a brand new rom-com, which is exciting because they don't make those anymore. Yeah. So we're going to be watching Netflix's new hit, Set It Up. We are going to be hashtag relevant. Yeah. Bring in that content, weg tent, whatever tent you want. We've got it here at Heart it of Podness. It is not weg tent, sadly. We'll find out. But maybe it is sh- new tent. Maybe it's like a, like a Joan Cusack thing and say anything where Zellweger just isn't credited. Yeah. I will say I do love Lucy Liu, too. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. In cool. the meantime, please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. And say hi to us online. Please follow us at Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness. And keep sending us those hashtag podcast summer stories on Twitter, telling us about how you got someone you know to listen to the show. We're trying to spread the word this summer. It's really exciting. Guys, tell your friends. If you like the show, share it. If you don't like the show, then pick someone you don't like and tell them to listen to it. And that way you will have pulled one over on them. And maybe they'll like the show and then we win. And if you don't enjoy the show, but you're still friends with us, so you're too cowardly to tell us that you don't enjoy it, there's still pressure on you as our friend to share the show. Yeah. All right. You can also email us questions or movie suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. Tell us what new DreamWorks movie we should do. Not Puss in Boots. It doesn't exist. Hashtag I've seen Puss in Boots. Last question, William. What is the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? Well, Oscar first manages to draw the attention of Lola by betting $5,000 at a racetrack and then saying, that would make me Oscar the millionaire, the millionaire, the millionaire, the millionaire, the millionaire. So what I want to do is I want to adopt a the secret style attitude of my life where I visualize what I want, but repeat it echo style and hope that somebody will hear it. Because that worked out so well with Lola. He did get together with Lola. It and is, then he, he broke it up with her. He did. So, seems I, good to me. Yeah. I guess the best piece of dating advice that I got from this movie is you have to first learn to accept yourself and maybe even work with your family to gain acceptance before you'll be really comfortable to present your true self to the world. And you have to paint your body light blue and wear construction gear? Yeah. And tie rubber bands around your nose? Yeah, that that just is dating, Well. Oh. That well, doesn't that expl- count as advice if that's just what you're supposed to do. That explains why I am single. And okay, I'm not. There you go. Until next time, I'm a ginger. And I'm gay, so between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! Bye. Yeah. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but oh dear. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect. For all the natural wonders that grow around you